0: Friends, let us now listen to Brother Mel Caparos, pastor of Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International. To go to God's Word at this time. We're actually coming to a close when it comes to our, our study of the book of James. So we're near the end. And so, can you please rise from your seats and let's take a look at James chapter 5, verses 16 to 18 at this time? At the count of three, let's all read together aloud, please. One, two, read. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Let's bow our heads in prayer at this time. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You and bless You for this wonderful morning that You've given us, O God. We thank you for the grace to worship you. We thank you for the grace to connect with you. And so once again, we ask for grace that we might listen to your word and be obedient to it. We ask, O God, that the Holy Spirit might be preeminent in our place, O God. I ask for myself. I pray that you might anoint me. I pray that you might empower me, give me boldness, give me courage. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. May I make clear to your people whatsoever is your will. And so Lord, I trust also that you will move upon each and every heart. And I pray that you will glorify your name in our midst. Lord, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's be seated in the presence of the Lord. I've entitled this morning's sermon, The Prayers That Get Answered. Let me share to you a little story. My wife and I just came from New York. Uh, we attended a class, a doctor, uh, a doctor of ministry class by Pastor Edmond Chan. Uh, he invited us to join him for that particular class for two reasons. Actually, one reason was so that we might be able to learn from his leadership class. But secondly, so that we might meet up with some global leaders. And I'm actually excited because I met some of them, one of whom is David Geisler. Some of you may not know him, but David Geisler is the son of Pastor Norman Geisler. Now, that name is more familiar because he is known as the grandfather of apologetics. And so, I invited him to come and join us one of these days. And he actually gave us a date already. He's coming this uh, April of 2019. And so, this is going to be a very wonderful seminar on apologetics. And so I'm really excited about it. But anyway, having said that, let me just share to you a little story that Edmond Chan shared to us, which is actually an illustration of how powerful prayer is. And the story goes like this. Well, they had plans as a family to have a vacation in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And so they made arrangements for that, but at the same time, Pastor Edmond Chan and Ann Chan had a ministry in Japan. And so the plan was they would meet up in Sao Paulo. There was a problem, however, that took place in Japan. If you still recall about a month ago, there was a mighty typhoon, which actually was headed towards us but did not hit us and it went straight to Japan. And so it was a very powerful storm. If you recall, there were about 200 people, more than 200 people actually died. And so the story is right after the conference that he did in Japan, all the flights were canceled. So now, Edmond Chan and Anne Chan had a big problem. And the problem was, who is going to meet with their daughters in Sao Paulo, Brazil? And he knew that was going to be a crisis moment for his daughters, most especially because they're very young. And so he told Anne, let's pray to God, because this is going to be a very difficult situation for our daughters. And so they came before the Lord and they prayed. And as they prayed, uh, the Lord somehow spoke to Pastor Edmund Chan that God was going to make a way for them to go to Sao Paulo in spite of the fact that all the flights were canceled. And so what happens is Pastor Edmond Chan calls his friend to pick them up from the hotel and by faith to bring them the airport. So here's what happens. So the friend now arrives in the hotel and he says to them, you know what? This is going to be useless because all the flights are canceled. No plane is going to fly out of Japan. And so Pastor Edmund Chan, just bring us there and let's see what will happen. And so, they went to the airport, and obviously, as they reached the airport, nobody was there. All right? Nobody was there, except, of course, for people who were in the counters, those who were working the counters. And so, they went to this counter of American Airlines, and so they said, we have got to leave, you know, this is an emergency situation, nobody is going to meet Our daughter's in Sao Paulo. And so we're really desperate. Can you please do something about it? And the one behind the counter said, We are so sorry, sir, but, you know, all the flights are canceled. Even our plane is not here in the airport. And all of the other planes are not here as well. Again, Edmund Chan pleaded and said, Please do something about it. My daughters uh, will have great difficulty if we are not there with them. We have to meet them at the airport. And so because of much persistence, the, uh, the one behind the counter said, you know what, I don't know what can be done, but let me just check out with another counter. And so this person goes to the other counter and then uh, talks to this other person and the other person says, you know what, we, we don't have any plane flying out. However, this other person said, we have a plane that is on standby, but it's not flying out. In the first place, there were only two passengers, Pastor Edmund Chan and his wife Anne. Definitely, it should not fly out. Again, Pastor Edmund was in deep prayer. So, finally, after much uh, conversation, and so finally what happens is the other person behind the other counter tried to talk to the the pilot. And so, arrangements were made. And so, finally, this other person speaks and says, you know what? We're making this very, very special arrangement. This plane, which is on standby, will fly out for your sake. And… And the interesting thing, brothers and sisters, is they rode the plane. They were the only passengers in the plane. And it flew out of Japan. And they were able to see their daughters in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Now, let me ask you this question. Was that a coincidence or not? It was definitely not a coincidence. There was God at work. And by the way… Uh, Pastor Edmund was not being presumptuous because a lot of people are presumptuous when it comes to their prayers. But in this case, they were in prayer while at the hotel and they were asking God, Lord, what is your will for us? And the Lord somehow spoke to Pastor Edmond Chan that he was going to do something about it. And that's the reason why he went to the airport. And that's the reason why they were able to fly out of Sao Paulo, Brazil. And so, as I shared that story to you, obviously, some of us would like to have our own miracles. We want to have our own answered prayers. Now, let me ask you this. How many of us would want, our prayers to be answered. Raise your hands, please. Amen. Obviously, we all want our prayers answered. You would not be here if you did not believe in God. You would not be here if you did not believe that God answers prayers. However, the big question is this, how can our prayers be effective? That's the big question. And this passage is going to somehow answer that particular question. And we have two points which I'd like to share to you this morning. So, let's take a look at the first point right now. Let's talk about the powerful prayer of the righteous in verse 16. So, that's going to be our first major point. Now, we go to the second major point, which is the example of a powerful prayer. Prayer warrior. Now, you know who this powerful prayer warrior is. Well, it's none other than Elijah himself. But in verse 17, what James is saying is that he is very ordinary. All right? Because some of us are thinking, well, it's only an Edmund Chan that gets his prayers answered. It's only an Elijah that gets his prayers answered. Well, let's take a look at James and he will tell us that he was just an ordinary person. But one of the things that we discover with him is his earnest prayers as found in verses 17 to 18. And what were the results? Well, his earnest prayer for no rain had a result as found in verse 17. And then his earnest prayer for rain also had a result in verse 18. So, these are the things that we will be tackling this morning. So, let's go straight away to the powerful prayer of the righteous as found in verse 16. Allow me to read once again what verse 16 says, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but there are two words or two phrases here that are actually very similar. In fact, you could say that they are actually synonymous. And that would be the word effective and also the phrase accomplish much. They're basically saying the same thing. If one is effective, then obviously it will accomplish much. If it accomplishes much, definitely it is also effective. So it's basically saying the same thing. But why the redundancy redundancy once again? Well, as I keep on saying, this is a Hebrew method of emphasis. What James was trying to do here was to emphasize on the fact That God is serious about answering our prayers. Could you say this with me? God is serious about answering our prayers. All right? So, prayers will really be answered. But again, what kind of prayers and how can our prayers be effective? And the answer, of course, is applied to us in the same passage. It says here, the effective prayer of a what? A righteous man can accomplish much. And so, basically what this is saying is prayer is effective and accomplishes much if there is righteousness. So, could you please say this with me? Prayer is effective… And accomplishes much if there is righteousness. Alright? And I think that's very important for us to know because we can shout all we like. We can cry all we like. We can even fast and pray for 10 days, for 15 days, even for 40 days. But don't expect that God will answer your prayers if you are not living an upright life. Don't expect God to answer your prayers if you are not living in righteousness. Now, we need to understand that we are blood-bought sinners. And the reason why Christ bought us to Himself is so that you and I might be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ, or that we might be conformed to His image. And so, friends, we need to be asking ourselves this question— Are we becoming more and more like Jesus Christ? Are we growing in uprightness? Are we growing in righteousness? This is so important. You know, the people of Israel during the time of Isaiah were complaining to God. Because they were crying out to God, they were praying, and they were doing all these religious festivals. They were even fasting for long periods of time before the Lord, and they were wondering why was it that God was not answering their prayers. They were feeling great oppression. There was the threat of this very powerful country, Babylon, and it seemed like God was silent. Is it possible that sometimes we feel that God is silent? There's something that we're praying about. There's something that we're seeking from Him. And probably we've been praying for weeks, maybe even for months. And yet we do not see the answer coming our way. It seems like heaven is silent. Well, that was the kind of feeling the people of Israel had. Heaven was silent and they were wondering why. They were asking many questions why God was not answering. We find this in Isaiah 58, verse 3. Take a look at some of the questions and complaints they had before the Lord. In Isaiah 58, verse 3, it says, this is their question, Why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? And these were the questions that they were asking God. And then God comes up with an answer. And He answers this way in verse 3 as well. Behold. And what did we say about the word behold? When you come across the word behold, it means pay attention. This is really important. And obviously, they needed to pay attention because they did not know the answers to their questions. And so, God is saying, here's the answer for you. Listen well. Behold, on the day of your fast, you find your desire. In other words, what they had in their minds were their own selfish agendas. They were not really thinking about the kingdom of God. They were not really thinking about the name of God. They were not really seeking for righteousness. All they had in their minds was their own selfish agenda. Their prayers were self-centered. Their prayers were selfish. And so this is one of the reasons why God was saying, that's the reason why I'm not answering your prayers. And then He goes on and He says, and you drive hard all your workers. This is talking about oppression. Now in modern day times, of course, we no longer have slaves we no longer have people who are working under us as bond servants the way it was in the Old Testament. But is it possible that we are also oppressing some of our employees, for example? Now, that does not sit well with God in the same way that it did not sit well with God at that time because they were oppressing these people. Now, notice it says here, Behold, again, you find the word behold. Behold, you fast for contention and strife, and to strike with a wicked fist. What is this saying? This is saying that there was violence in the hearts of these people. They were full of bitterness, full of anger. This is the reason why God could not answer their prayers. It says here, you do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. Let me just repeat that. It says says here, you do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. Now, obviously, what we want to happen is for God to hear our voice. Now, question, can He hear our voice? Most definitely. And most especially because now we are in the New Testament. If you have accepted Christ, As your personal Lord and Savior, do you know what Christ has done for you? When He died on the cross, what happened in the temple? The Bible tells us that the veil was torn from top to bottom. And that was a miracle in itself because the veil was as thick as my fist. And so you have to agree that that must have been something really supernatural for that to be torn from top to bottom. And it symbolized what Christ was able to accomplish. He was able to accomplish access for us. Now we can enter within the veil and we can ask boldly, We can enter boldly with confidence to ask God for anything in time of need. And this is what we find in the book of Hebrews. So, does God hear? Oh, yes, He does. And so, if He does not hear, obviously, there are impediments. Obviously, there are obstacles. And again, one of the obstacles would be sin in our lives. Now… Right after that, this time, God is the one who comes up with counter questions. So after all the questioning of the Israelites, now it is God's turn to ask them some serious questions. And God speaks to them in verse 5 and it says, Is it a fast like this, which I choose? A day for a man to humble himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless The homeless poor, into the house when you see the naked to cover him. And not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Now notice here, if they are able to fulfill all of those things that God required. Notice what verse 8 says. Then your light will break out like the dawn. Your recovery will speedily spring forth. And your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and He will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing the finger and speaking wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. So again, notice here, friends, for as long as we are willing to live an upright life, God is so willing to answer our prayers and hear our cries. Our God is not a stingy God. Our God is a generous God. And one of the titles of God is a father. That's who He is. And as a father, He would like to give to His children good things. He would like to grant favor. He would like to grant grace to all of us. But friends, how can God do that when when His hands are tied down because of our sins? And that's why, again, this should be a moment and a time for true self-evaluation. Friends, let me just tell you something which um, Pastor Edmond Chan shared as well in our class. Sometimes our problem is we just keep on listening to God's Word and yet we have no intention of following what the Word of God says. We have no intention of obeying it. And he gave an example. An example of, for example, uh, of a preacher talking about sharing the Gospel to others. So let's just imagine on the first Sunday… The preacher preaches about the importance of the gospel and the importance of sharing it to others. So, on that particular Sunday, we might find people nodding their heads, saying, yes, we will do that, blah, blah, blah. But the question is, after the service, will people actually share the gospel? Will people actually reach out and, and reach out for opportunities that they might be able to share their testimony. Now, more often than not, what happens is after listening to the Word of God, after people have said their amens, the week passes by and they still have not applied the Word of God. So next Sunday comes. And so the preacher once again comes up with that series on the gospel. And he once again re-emphasizes the importance of sharing the gospel. And maybe this time, he is more emphatic. Because perhaps he asked the people, how many have shared the gospel? And maybe only 10 people raised up their hands saying that we share the gospel. But the rest of the congregation did not really apply the scriptures, the preaching of the Word of God the previous Sunday. By that time, something is already happening in their hearts. By that time, a partial hardening already takes place. And so no matter how powerful the preaching of the pastor, there is an inoculation that now begins to take place and we are no longer affected by the Word of God. By the third Sunday, when the pastor continues to emphasize on sharing the gospel, the people are no longer listening. Now, the question is, what has happened? Well, the problem is the people failed to apply the Word of God in their lives. And we are told by the Lord Jesus Christ that the only way you and I can be blessed it's not only when we hear the Word of God, but when we apply it in our lives. That's why it is so important that, that this morning, brothers and sisters, that we do a serious self-evaluation. Let us try to determine if we are really serious about our faith. Let us determine whether we are really serious about following what the Word of God has to say. Because friends, if we are not serious about following the Word of God, a hardening will take place in our hearts. And a time will come we will just get used to the preaching of the Word of God. It will just be a gathering of information. But there will be no transformation whatsoever in our lives. And that, in a certain sense, is an insult to God. Because God intended the Word of God not simply to be heard. God intended the Word of God to be applied in our lives. That is the only way wherein you and I can grow into spiritual maturity. That is the only way you and I can grow in uprightness. That is the only way you and I can walk in righteousness. And so friends, let's be serious about our faith if we want God to answer our prayers, if we want God to hear whatever it is that we are petitioning before Him, therefore, let us now come before Him and ask Him, Lord, is there anything wrong in my life that I need to set right? There were two things that I shared during our IPLC when it comes to confession. And one of them, I've already shared it to you. One is, we cannot make general confessions before the Lord. What we need to do is make specific confessions before God. Because general confessions don't work, brothers and sisters. Sometimes when we're about to lay our heads on the pillow, we pray a prayer, something like this. Lord, whatever it is that I did to you, whatever offended you, Lord, I'm just sorry about it. You know what? That doesn't work. The reason why it doesn't work is because if you go to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, when the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking to the Ephesian church, He said, remember where you have fallen. We need to remember from where we have fallen. And from where we have fallen, that is the place where you and I need to confess. So did you fail in the area of lust? Then confess it before God. Did you fail in the area of pride? Then confess it before the Lord. Did you fail in the area of relationships? Was there bitterness in your heart? Was there anger in your heart? Then confess it before the Lord. Don't make general confessions before Him. And so again, very important that we understand that. Here's the second thing. We need to repent every day. Now let me ask you this question. How many here... Do are able not to sin in a day's time. I mean, your day, you could just have a day wherein you're just perfect. Is there anyone here who has experienced that in a day's time, he was perfect? All right. I'm sure you will say, well, in, a, in my whole lifetime, of course, I cannot be perfect. So, let's, let's narrow it down. Let's just say one day, is it possible for you not to sin at all in one day's time? And if there's anyone who has not sinned here for one whole day, could you please raise your hand? All right. Praise God. Nobody's raising his hand because if somebody raised his hand, I would say crucify him. (laughs) Praise the Lord. The point really is this. It's impossible that we do not sin in a day's time. Now, you might say, well… I didn't do anything bad today. Well, maybe in terms of actions, maybe you did not do anything bad. But you see, the way God judges us is much stricter. He judges the thoughts, the intentions, and the motives of our hearts. That is why notice what Jesus Christ said. If you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've already committed adultery. If you hate your brother... You've already committed murder. And you and I know that sometimes there are evil, wicked thoughts that enter our minds and we linger long on those things. Now, it's not wrong if it's only a temptation, but it becomes wrong when we linger long on those thoughts and entertain them and fertilize them. We're actually sinning against God. So here's the thing. We need to make specific confessions before the Lord. And not only that, we need to make daily confessions. Even right now as I speak, is there anything that is convicting you right now? Is there anything that you feel is wrong with your life right now? As I spoke about righteousness, as we read the whole book of Isaiah chapter 53, was there anything in what we read a while ago that was convicting you and telling you that this is an area where I need to repent? And if that is true, my dear brothers and sisters, you do need to repent. Because if you don't repent, there will be a hardening of your hearts. That's why eventually the church dies down because people are not willing to obey the Lord. Do you know what happened to the nation of Israel? God sent them an abundance of prophets, mighty men and women of God. God sent them Elijah. God sent them Elisha. God sent them Samuel. God sent them Moses. And then you had the major prophets of Israel, God sent them Jeremiah, God sent them Ezekiel, God sent them Daniel. Then you have the the minor prophets, you had Nahum, you had Habakkuk, you had Haggai. All of them were, were pointing to the sins of the nation of Israel because remember, they were in a covenant relationship with God. And the only way God could bless the nation of Israel was for them to obey the terms of the covenant. But they had violated the terms of the covenant. That was the reason why God was cursing them. Because God had said in Deuteronomy, if you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, I will curse you. And so all these prophets were saying the same messages. They were actually just repeating all the commandments and saying, you know what? You have messed up big time because you're not following the commandments of God. And that's the reason why you're being cursed. And yet, you know what? In spite of the Assyrian exile, in spite of the Babylonian exile, they still refuse to repent. You know what happens? 400 years of silence. God no longer speaks to them anymore because they were unable to hear. God knew it was practically useless for Him to speak to these people because even as He spoke to them, they were not listening at all. So God judges them with 400 years of silence. And sometimes that's the thing that happens. When you and I do not obey God, when you and I do not listen to God God becomes silent. It's not only silent in terms of His speaking to us in intimate ways, He becomes silent in answering our prayers. Now, I want us to experience miracles. I want to experience miracles in my life. I want you having miracles in your life. In fact, one of my daily prayers for the church is this. Lord, let your people have an encounter with you. Let them, let them have miracles, Lord, because I know if there will be miracles taking place in their lives, if there will be power encounters with you, Lord, they will radically change. So practically every single day, that's my prayer for you. I want you experiencing God. And you know what? During our last IPLC, which actually was just concluded this week, um, God answered our prayers and a lot of the brethren had a God moment. During the second day, I actually asked the people to come. I made an altar call and it was really the leading of the Holy Spirit. It was not part of the program, but I sensed in my spirit that God was going to create a spiritual breakthrough and people were going to experience a God moment with Him. And indeed, that's exactly what happened. You saw the video a while ago. People were crying. People were weeping. People were singing. They were experiencing God. And there's this particular story that was shared to me by Pastor Jason. Pastor Jason is the pastor of City Church, Subic, all right? And he also has another church in Bataan. And so, when I made that altar call, I sensed that God gave me a word of prophecy. But before that, Pastor Jason was saying that he was here in front. He was somewhere here in front. And he said, it was very warm where I was. It was very warm, he said. It was very hot. But then as I began to prophesy, he said, I was actually prophesying something like this. Today, God is giving you fresh wind, a fresh wind, and a fresh fire. And he said, immediately, right after I prophesied, he said that from my place, there was a fresh wind. There was actually wind that came upon him and it made him feel extremely cold. Whereas previously, he felt very warm. And this brother was crying and weeping before the Lord. There were a lot of people who were crying and weeping. I also had a God moment on the last day. God just... Just tenderized my heart. He broke my heart and I was broken before Him. And as I was broken before Him, I really sensed His presence. I sensed His touch. Such that I had, I had to run to, to the bathroom. And, and while in the bathroom, I was crying my heart out. I was crying my heart out. Because at that time, God was touching me. It was really a special moment. I was saying, God, I love you. God, I love you. Thank you. I love you, Lord. I love you. Have mercy on me, Lord. I just kept on crying and crying. And, and I had to stop myself because I could have cried for one hour while I was in the bathroom. The presence of God was so special, but I had to preach. And so I had to, to cut, so to speak, that moment. Because I knew I I still had to minister to the people and I just had to wipe my face, you know, wash it with water and come back again and minister to the people. But you see, that's the kind of God we serve. God is able to move beyond, above our imagination, beyond what we ask or even think of. And that's why I want you experiencing that. If there's something I want you to experience, it's, it's having those God moments, those special moments wherein you encounter God. It's those moments wherein you have a miracle. God still performs miracles today. It's not just an Edmond Chan that can experience a miracle. You can experience a miracle. And friends, there is a cost. There is a price to pay. And the price to pay is spirituality. The price to pay is righteousness. The price to pay is obedience. And if we're willing to pay that price, friends, you will not regret it. I guarantee you, God will show Himself special to you and He will surprise you with His answers. And you will see His mighty hand and His mighty power. And you know what's going to happen? You will just be in awe of what God is able to do. You will just be in awe that something which was extremely difficult and impossible to you was made possible by God. God is a prayer answering God, but then He requires righteousness on our part. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Let me just segue to this passage as well. It says, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Now watch the next phrase, so that, here's the purpose statement, every time you see that phrase, so that, it's a purpose statement. So that your prayers will not be what? will not be hindered. Now, who wants his prayers hindered? No one. We all want our prayers to go through. We want it to reach the throne of God. That's what we want to happen. But then again, if we've got problems in our relationships, now it's not just, by the way, it's not just marriage relationships. Maybe something's wrong between your children and you. It could be a parent-child relationship. It could be an employee-to-employee relationship. It could be a boss-to-employee relationship. It could be a problem among church members, a brother or sister in the Lord, and you have not reconciled. There's still bitterness in your heart. You're still fighting. You know what? Your prayers will be hindered. You know, the two commandments of God, the way Jesus summarized it, are really connected with each other. Remember the first commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one, notice what Jesus Christ says, and the second one is like it. Love thy neighbor as as you love yourself. And basically what that is saying is these two commandments are really connected with each other. This is the summary of what we should be doing in our Christian lives. And in the first letter of John, John said this. How can you say you love God whom you do not see when you cannot even love your brother whom you see? Makes perfect sense. How can you love somebody whom you do not see, all right, and and claim that you can love somebody that you… that I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm getting lost right now. How can you claim… That you love God whom you do not see when you cannot love your brother whom you can actually see. Makes perfect sense. That's why, friends, what do we need to do? We need to fix our relationships. We need to fix our relationships. If there are broken relationships, we've got to mend them. We have got to be restored. With our brothers, our sisters, our spouses, our children, our parents. Whatever broken relationships we have, it's got to be fixed. Now, if we are righteous, we can expect God to answer our prayers. But aside from righteousness, we need to make sure that our prayers are in the will of God. This is the balance. Look at 1 John 5, 14, and 15. It says, this is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, what does it say here? He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. So here we have the assurance of answered prayer for as long as we are praying according to the will of God. That's why don't pray, Lord, although there is a typhoon, Lord, I'm going to go to the airport. And Lord, I know by faith that there's going to be a plane that will bring me, Lord, to where I need to be. Now, you cannot be presumptuous. God spoke to Edmund Chan that it was going to happen. The question you need to ask yourself, is God speaking to me in the same way? Amen? Are you listening? Does this make sense to you, yes or no? Amen? It makes sense. And so again, we need to determine what the will of God is. But the question is, how do we know the will of God? Well, we get to know the will of God by listening to Him. And here's another dimension of prayer we need to catch. Prayer is not supposed to be a monologue. It's supposed to be a dialogue with God. Part of prayer is listening to Him. Part of prayer is waiting upon Him and seeking directions. Isn't that what we see in the case of David? Whenever he went into battle, he always sought the God signal of God. Why do you think uh, Joshua was fooled by the Gibeonites? Because he did not seek the counsel of God. All throughout the the Old Testament, you will see phrases like, The Word of the Lord came to so and so, to Jeremiah, to Ezekiel, to Daniel. God is a speaking God. Prayer is not supposed to be a monologue, it's supposed to be a dialogue. Let me ask you this question. Do you spend time in prayer before God? Because how can we listen to God? How can we know the will of God if we're not seeking it at all? Or if we're not giving God much time? Some people say, well, Pastor Mel, you don't know my life. I'm I'm a very busy person. Well, everybody's busy actually. But let me ask you this question. And this was a question that was asked by the Lord to me. And the question that God asked me was this. He told me, he asked me, which is more important to you? Your sleep or your time with me? Which is more important to you? Your sleep or your time with me? Now, obviously when God asks you that kind of a question, what will you answer? If, I, if God was speaking to you right now, how would you answer? Which is more important to you, your sleep or your time with the Lord? Really? You know, when, when there was a special move of God that second day at the IPLC, God woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning. I was not able to sleep back again. And I spent time really asking God to bless that special uh, God, for God to give us a special moment with Him. You see, when we spare time for God, God moves in special ways. But the question is, are you willing to sacrifice even one hour of your sleep? One hour. Is that too much? Is that too much? Yes or no? I'm not hearing you. Is that too much? Yes or no? How much time do you spend on Facebook? Could you ask your neighbor, how much time do you spend on Facebook? I tell you, you spend a lot of time on Facebook. And you're willing, you're willing to spend a lot of time on Facebook, but you're not willing to spend an hour for the Lord. And then you say, Pastor Mel, I'm so busy. Busy with what? Busy Facebooking. That's why we miss a lot. I mean, God the Creator of the universe. Amen? Think about this. God, the Creator of the universe, the God who created Everything that is beautiful that you and I see. The God who created the trees. The God who created the valleys. The God who created the mountains. The God who created the seas. The God who created the rivers. The God who created the solar system. The God who created the stars, the moon, and the sun. The God who has created everything wonderful and beautiful. All the colors that we see. Pink, blue, violet, purple, green. All of these colors, all of these delights, our God was the one who created them for us. Don't you think God could do even greater things in your life if you only spend time with Him? Amen? We shortchange ourselves. We don't have God moments any longer. We don't have powerful encounters with God anymore. We don't have answers to our prayers anymore because we don't make God our priority. And we just have to make Him number one in our lives. Everything else should be a far second. And you know what? If you seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. Don't complicate the Christian life. It's not complicated. So... Let's take a look at the example of a powerful prayer warrior in verses 17 to 18. We were talking about Elijah. Look at Elijah. I mean, some of us think of him as a superstar uh, saint. But let's read verse 17. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So what does that say? We often think that answered prayer is only the avenue of great men of God. And Elijah was one of those. Now this verse tells us that Elijah is just like us. Very ordinary. We all have equal access to the throne of God. It's not just Edmond Chan. It's not just this pastor that has access to the throne of God. We all have equal access to the throne of God. In the same way that a small plane and a jumbo jet have the same access to an airport. It's the same. Let me share to you one, one story relating to this. A man who frequently flew his own plane in and out of a busy airport was asked if he encountered any problems taking off and landing in his very small airplane. This was an airport that was actually dominated by large jets, even jumbo jets. And the response of this pilot was quite significant for he said, my plane may be small, but I have the same rights, the same privileges, and the same access to that airport as anyone else. Yes, even the jumbo jets. So friends, I don't care if you're a jumbo jet or a small plane, we can all land on the throne of God. Amen? We can all land on the throne of God. And Christ has done that for us. And it's the same with prayer. With the believers approach the throne of grace. No matter how we are, how small in comparison with others, or how low our station in life, we take a backseat to no one. No one is given priority treatment. So there are a few things we need to see here in this passage. First of all, we must not think too highly of men like Elijah to the point that we place them on a pedestal. Their prayers do not get answered because there is something more divine about them. No, they are men with like nature as us. And what brings answered prayer is righteousness. But let me just add, there was something else with Elijah's prayer aside from righteousness. And we find it in verses 17 to 18, his earnest prayers. Let's take a look at his earnest prayer for no rain and its result in verse 17. And it says here, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Now, we need to mention also the matter of earnestness and intensity that is mentioned here. The Greek literally means, with his praying, he prayed. (laughs) That's the literal. I mean, if if you did a literal translation, that is how it would be translated. With his praying, he prayed. Now, what is that talking about? That's talking about intensity. That's talking about earnestness of prayer. That's talking about sincerity. Sincerity. That's talking about, you know, working forcefully towards God's, you know, God's throne. And sometimes our problem is the prayers that we pray to God are very cold prayers. Uh, Let me just share to you what Thoman Brooks said about some of the prayers that we pray. He said, listen well, cold prayers are as arrows without heads, as swords without edges, as birds without wings. They pierce not, they cut not, they fly not up to heaven. Cold prayers always freeze before they reach heaven. And if you want to become more effective in your praying, you need to heed the words of Bishop Hall. And this is what he said. It is not the arithmetic of our prayers, how many they are, nor the rhetoric of our prayers, how eloquent they be, nor the geometry of our prayers, how long they be, nor the music of our prayers, how sweet our voice may be, nor the method of our prayers, how orderly they may be, nor even the theology of our prayers, how good the doctrine may be, which God, what God cares for is the fervency of spirit that availeth much." So here's my question for you. When you pray before God, do you pray with earnestness? Is there a passion inside of you? Or are you just mouthing or babbling words? If you want your prayers to be answered, there needs to be earnestness. Because here it says, and He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And what was the result? It did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Do you know that in Israel, there are two rainy seasons? In the case of the Philippines, it seems like right now, all year round is rainy season. I mean, right now in Manila, and we, we've got to pray for our brothers. I mean, it's, it's flooded all over Metro Manila. They're evacuating some of our brothers and sisters there. But you know what? In, in Israel, you have two rainy seasons. It's called the early rain and the latter rain. So think about this. We're talking about how many times we're in, they did not experience rain. You're talking about two, four, six, seven Seven times or seven seasons wherein they did not have rain at all. Last time around, we went to Israel. you know what was happening to the Dead Sea? The Dead Sea was already losing water because they were already experiencing a kind of drought. And I would assume that during that time, you're talking about three and a half years of of no rain, the Dead Sea might have been drying up as well. The river Jordan may, may have been drying up as well. And so water was scarce. Was and, and why was Elijah praying this? He was praying this because he wanted the people of Israel to repent. This was, this was his way of bringing the people into repentance. And God heard his cries. So notice how effective this prayer is, even interfering with nature is a possibility. Remember the time when when Joshua was in battle and he felt the day was short and he prayed to the Lord, Lord, let the sun stand still. And you know what? This is something that science cannot completely explain away. The sun actually stood still, and and, and Joshua had a very long, long day to win that battle against their opponents. Friends, God can interfere with nature. Why? Because He created nature after all. Nothing is impossible with Him. So notice how powerful prayer can be. Now notice his pr- earnest prayer for rain and its result in verse 18. It says in verse 18, Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. After three and a half years, now he prays, and God brings rain. But I'd like to bring you back to the story when this happened. Take a look at 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. It says here, now Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. Now, those were bold statements. You know why? Because as I mentioned to you, there was no rain for three and a half years. And there were no dark clouds, by the way, at that time. No dark clouds. But he was very bold. He had the faith that God was going to answer his prayers. And why was he bold? Because he was living uprightly. Why was he bold? Because he was was praying earnestly. So, here's what happens. So, Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. Try to picture that. He put his face between his knees, all right? Now, I'm not saying that for you to do earnest prayers, you need to put your, your face be, between your knees, Most especially if you've got back pains, don't do that. You might not be able to get up. All right? But this was really a a manifestation, an expression, you might call it, of his earnestness. He was crying out to God. And so what happens? Notice what happens. He said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And so this, was so this was probably so discouraging, most especially to the servant. Of course, Elijah still had faith. But some of us experience this. We're praying earnestly before God. We're crouching on our knees. And yet, nothing's happening. And you know what? This was, this was taking a long time. Notice what it says here. He said to his servant, go up, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go back. Seven times. So just try to imagine the scenario. He sends his servant. The servant comes back. Nothing, boss. Go back again. As he continues to pray. And the servant comes. Nothing, boss. A third time. Still nothing, boss. A fourth time. Still nothing, boss. A fifth time. Boss. Wala giyud. A sixth time. Nothing. Nothing, boss. But, you know, he just kept on praying. And, you know, sometimes this is what we need to do. Sometimes we give up on our prayers. Sometimes we stop praying. And this is where God is testing our earnestness. I believe this is exactly what James was referring to, this earnestness, this persevering in prayer. And we need to do that. We need to persevere in prayer. There are things that are crying out to God. And God is testing our hearts. He's trying to see if we're serious. He's trying to see if we're earnest. He's trying to see if we're sincere. He's trying to see if, if we really want it. And when we really want it, and guess what happened? The seventh time around, the seventh time around, notice what happens in verse 44. It came about at the seventh time That he said, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. That's not even very encouraging. A small cloud. After all the praying, seven times, small cloud. And he already boasted to Ahab and he said, For there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. And then, small cloud. But he trusted God. That's all he needed, that small cloud. And so he said, go up, say to Ab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. In a little while, here's what happened. The sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower. Hallelujah. Our God is a prayer answering God. So yes, God can interfere even with nature. You know, I see Brother Jingle here and Kathy. I just recalled something. I recall the, the time when they had their, their wedding ceremony. Um, they asked me to, to conduct it. And the wedding was, you, you still probably remember Cebu Plaza Hotel. It's now Marco Polo. And so they had this wedding, this garden wedding at the Lantau. How many still remember Lantau restaurant? All right. Okay. It shows our age. The others are millennials. Anyway, so at that time, they invited a lot of their relatives, a lot of their friends, and many of their friends and relatives were not Christians. And for me, every time I, I speak or get to officiate a wedding or a funeral or a baby dedication, in my mind, it's always evangelistic. It's always an opportunity to share the gospel. But there was one big problem as we were about, or or as we were going through the wedding ceremony, because it started to rain. And I did not want, I did not want the wedding ceremony to be interrupted. First of all, I mean, for the sake of Jingle and Kathy. But at the same time, I did not want the wedding ceremony to be interrupted because it was an opportunity to share the gospel. And deep down in my heart, I was praying. But then all of a sudden, I, did not, I don't know what got into me. There was just a boldness and a faith that entered my heart such that I prayed something like this, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we stop the rain. And you know what? All of a sudden… The rain stopped. And the interesting part of that is many of the guests actually approached Jingle and Kathy. And they said, you know what? It's really amazing. The pastor prayed for the rain to stop and it stopped. Now that is a very powerful testimony to people. And that's why we want prayers answered. Not only for our sake, but because there are people watching us. And they're trying to see, is there God, an almighty, all-powerful God? Is there God, a God of compassion and a God of kindness? And we know He is all of that. But friends, unless we come in prayer before God, then nothing is going to happen to us. So here's, here's how I'd like to conclude. My prayer is that this passage will truly bring in us the instinct of prayer. But may we not just babble words to the Lord. May they be prayers that come because of righteousness, because of faith, because of earnestness. And may we be able to bring God's power into our lives. Remember this, our God is an almighty God. Amen. He is an almighty God. So let's bow our hands in prayer. Lord, your disciples prayed to you, or rather they spoke to you and said, teach us how to pray. And this is my prayer, Lord, for each and every one of us who are here. I pray, Lord, that we would be desperate enough to be able to ask you once again to teach us how to pray. And we know, Lord, that if we pray that earnestly and sincerely, You will teach us how to pray. Lord, teach us to make a sacrifice as well. Perhaps what it would mean in our case is we would have to wake up a little earlier than usual, maybe an hour earlier. And Lord, I pray that for those of us who will be obedient to this task of prayer, you will reward them with your presence and you will reward them with answered prayers. And for those who are still vacillating at this time, I pray that You will strengthen their conviction and strengthen their resolve to take the matter of prayer seriously. I pray, Lord, Your grace will be upon all of us because we're all needy people. I'm a needy person as well, O oh God. And so I pray, Father, that You might minister to us in a very special way. O oh Lord. We pray, Lord, that we will be like Elijah who, although he was of like nature as ours, prayed very powerful and very effective prayers. And this is what we know, Lord God. Nothing is impossible with You. Nothing is difficult with You. There is no barrier, no impediment, no stumbling stone that You cannot remove. Because there is nobody and nothing that can stop you. Because there is no other name that is greater and more powerful than the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Your name is above every other name. Thank you, Lord. So we thank you for this morning, O God. And thank you for speaking to our hearts. And Lord, whatever has been achieved today, We give you back the glory, the praises, and thanks. Even as we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to give our tithes, our grace gifts, and our offerings. Use them, Lord, for the glory of your holy name. Amen and amen.